Zennial! Hello! It's been three weeks. Where have you been all my life? <laughs> it's only been three weeks, bro. Calm down. It's like an eternity! <laughs> Cat time! It's it like is. dog years. And dog I have no concept of time and space. That's how dog years work. I don't actually know how dog years work because they live the same. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we have a guest. We do! So, I had family in town this weekend. Uh, a lot of my, 90% of my family joined us and my, uh, my sister Carmen had a uh, flight delay, so she's going to be joining us today. Hi Carmen. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so this is my sister Carmen. Um, where do you live? I live in a town called Hendersonville, Tennessee, and that is about 25 minutes north of Nashville, Tennessee. Nice. How long have you been in Tennessee? Oh gosh, if I had to do some math. About 17, 18 years. Yeah, like a long ass fucking time. Mm -hmm. So you're pretty well established there then. Yeah. 2005? 2004. 2004, okay. Mm -hmm. um, and have you lived there like the whole time or? Um, I lived there for, let's see, 10 years. And then I took a break and moved back home to Colorado for about a year and a half. Uh, after a divorce, and then I moved back to Tennessee for work because um, my work licenses didn't transfer to Colorado, and to get them transferred was proving to be more and more difficult and expensive, more expensive than just moving back to Tennessee. So. Gotcha. And what do you do for work? I am a critical care paramedic. Nice. How long have you been doing that? Uh, about 16 years. Oh. Wow. What made you decide to go into that profession? Um, when I was in high school, my senior year, I had to take an elective, and one of the electives that was offered was EMS basic, and I just really had a knack for it, and, um... I remember you wanted to be a fireman. I originally wanted to be a paramedic on the fire, on the fire truck, that's correct, but then I realized I enjoyed watching things burn more than I liked putting it out. <laughs> 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 so I decided to go for the ambulance side, um, which I love. I love helping people. I love being there when, when someone needs just one some other person to tell them it's okay. But I also think, and we've talked about this a lot, is that you say that your personality is the kind that likes to see what's going to happen next. And so, uh, yes, I love all of those things you just said. And also, there's a lot of um, unpredictability to your job. I like, look, I'm gonna be real now, okay? Yeah. So. Are you gonna get Marvin on us? No, not. I'm not gonna go that deep into it. Okay. But um, you know the looky loos that slow down to look at the car accident. Yeah. yeah. I like being at the car accident, knowing what's happening. <laughs> I like knowing the things. I do. I. Yeah. It's a curiosity thing, but um, that's definitely part of it. I. I you got me. <laughs> And so we like to know what's going to happen next in a very predictable way, whereas yeah. like you're totally fine going, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Let's see what happens, which I love for you. It drives me bananas. But, I, you know, and, and you've talked about having anxiety too, but it's in a different way. So go into that. I, but the other thing is I can imagine because you have control on a scene and you can actually help and control the situation more, um, that also helps your anxiety in your brain. Whereas, like, if you and I, Kat, were at the scene of an accident, we'd be like, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Like, we'd full-on yeah. panic. Like, we can 
jump in in a crisis, but to not have any control is so much more anxiety producing for us. So I love that you, in a controlled way, can have that experience of like being on the scene and addressing it and still be able to not have anxiety about it, whereas you and I would fucking do it and then like have a full on panic attack with it. Yeah, after it was done, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I need like EMDR therapy now. I need to like, exactly. I need to come down, I need meds. <laughs> Don't yeah. get it twisted, girls, it happens. That's where the burnout comes in and all that stuff. Like, it, it does wear on you. For sure, I can imagine. Because it, it definitely activates your nervous system in such a way that if you do it over and over and over again, then yes, you're going to get tired. Um, I mean, what does your aftercare look like for, you know, like a, an accident or whatever? Uh, definitely talking to my coworkers. That definitely helps me decompress after a call. Um, and in my way, it that looks like, okay, what did we do good? What, did, what could we do different next time? Um, you did a really good job on this, this, and this. That's how I process the calls. Got you. That's awesome. But you haven't always done, like, bus work, like, on an ambulance, right? Yeah. Um, I started off on a 911 ambulance when I first got my EMT IV, which is the, um, which is the lowest. Well, it was the lowest at the time in Tennessee. Um, I did that for eight years, and then I transitioned to a private service ambulance which did more um, non-emergent transfers. Um, so you would do transport stuff. Right, like um, discharge transfers. And um, currently I do the discharge transfers and sick hospital to hospital transfers because um, my hospital just bought three new hospitals. And um, so now we have satellite stations mm -hmm. and we bring the patients that are too sick for the small community hospital and we take them to the big hospital in Nashville. Got you. And then you also do a side hustle through that organization. What is that? And that's Event Medicine, which is my secret favorite now because it's, <laughs> we get, so um, we provide first aid to um, the patrons of concerts and sporting events and um, we have contracts with the Nashville Predators, with the Nashville Sounds, with the Nashville Soccer Club, where we take care of each team as their medical team, and then we also take care of the patrons. And um, it's a really cool way to decompress from the mundane. You also get to see like, really fucking cool shows. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah, I've seen awesome. some amazing shows that I wouldn't have been able to see otherwise because they were sold out, like Santana, Dave Matthews and Dave Reynolds, Adele. Um, ACDC, um, Slayer, like all over and just watching the show, making sure nobody falls out. And it's, it's really, really cool. Damn, that's awesome. <laughs> that's really that's cool. Because really like, you're, you're, you're the kind of human who likes to go to those kind of shows anyway. Like how many times have you gone to Bonnaroo? Uh, like three times. And so Bonnaroo is a music festival that they have in Tennessee. Uh, is it more like EDC kind of stuff? Or? No, it's, um, well, well, I'll give you an example. This year, the lineup was going to be um, Lizzo, um, the Foo Fighters, um, Primus. Like, it's a, a more broad spectrum. And they okay. do have an, uh, an electronic stage. Uh -huh. So they have multiple stages where it's basically like a little bit of everything. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So you've been three times? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, really cool. I feel like it's just like a dirty... Fest. Uh, but there are like definitely different... dirty hippies there. <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely not be something I do. 
Um, but I love that for you that you're able to do work stuff, but also attend these shows and, and be part of it. Cause you also go to like sound checks and different things. Oh yeah. Load ins, um, sound checks. Sometimes the artists will request their own personal medic okay. and they always choose the more senior one to go back there and like give oxygen to Randy Travis. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but it's really cool. I haven't been that person yet, but I'm, I'm working up the ways. So nice. Um, so having done that for so long, um, do you feel like you've made the right career choice? Oh yeah. Um, I, I still wake up and love my job like every day, but I think it really helps that the organization that I work for is so above anything I've ever worked for. Nice. So they take care of us. Uh, the equipment is, is the best that there is, uh, the training is unparalleled, uh, that everybody from the EMT to the physician are all on the same page and they're all considered basically as equals, um, when we're training and they want everybody to know like how to do what we need to do. And it's just, you can't find, I have not found it anywhere else. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, do you feel like it's, where you want to be still now, 18 years later. 100%. Okay. What do you like about Tennessee? Um, I'll, I'll be honest, Tennessee really had to grow on me. Um, it's, def it's definitely different from what I grew up around. Um, so you said home is Colorado, but mm -hmm. you're from here. Right. From Albuquerque. Yeah, um, we were little when we left Albuquerque, but I still consider Albuquerque like the motherland. Okay. Um, but Tennessee is very different. It's very beautiful in its own way. It's very green. Um, I will say that Nashville is my favorite city okay. um, that I've ever been to. It, it's more progressive when you get in inside the city limits. Um, and then the music. Music is such an important part of my life. And um, I love that you can just go to a little bar uh, down Broadway and you can hear someone who's just trying to make it and they sound amazing. And Or you can find your favorite band in a, in a little venue just around the corner and like it, it's a completely different genre of music. Um, it's, you, can, you can find a lot in Nashville. It's, I really love Nashville itself. I think I've talked about the fact that like my siblings live all over the country right. and so I get to go and spend time. I mean, I've been going to Nashville and certainly to Tennessee for as long as you've been there. Mm -hmm. um, and every time we go, you know, we get a tattoo, we eat great food, you know, we have experiences that are pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and so I love that about where my siblings have chosen to live because I can go there um, and experience new things with you. Mm -hmm. Um, and like every time we go, we, we try something different and we do something new mm -hmm. and that's really dope. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. I love that too. Um, so one of the things that it's funny cause I just said earlier that Carmen doesn't listen to the podcast, not because we're not amazing by the way, <laughs> but, um, because podcasts are like something it's difficult for you to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. have you, like you don't do audible books either, right? Um, no, but I did kind of try, um, there was a period of time when I was kind of in the middle of a promotion or a transition and, um, I had a couple of mentors who recommended a few books and I did listen to those books on Audible 
while I was driving to work and driving home. Gotcha. So um, I think it's possible, but when I'm driving, I can pay attention to it. But like if I had it playing or I don't know, I it just depends on what I'm doing because I get so distracted by what's in front of my face gotcha. versus what's in my ears. Like I'm a very visual person. Yeah, I was going to say you're not an auditory processor. You're mm -mm. a visual processor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's totally fine, but I think it's funny is you just don't listen to the podcast. Um, so you <laughs> wouldn't know like what how we do this. Um, but I wanted to let you know that like part of the um, impetus for us to have these conversations um, is to bring awareness to uh, mental health stuff. And also, stuff. I'm sorry, self care stuff, self care stuff. Um, and also just like career things. And, yeah. and so that's why we're curious about your career. Um, but one of the other things is that you and I, Carmen, spend a lot of time. Uh, I mean, of my siblings, and I love them all. Um, but I have a very unique relationship with all of them, and you and I, um, like, you are the Thelma to my Louise. You have always been. I'm going to get emotional, and I try not to do that. Um, but we have always had each other's back, like, forever. <clears throat> the funny thing is that Carmen's 10 years younger than me, and so I've also been her tormentor. <laughs> God, yes. I cannot <laughs> agree with that more. <laughs> like, even in this trip, I'm like, I just want you to make the right choice. She just loves me and tortures me very equally. <laughs> <laughs> Balance is important. <laughs> um, but in that, um, we've had to establish some really good boundaries, uh, certainly in our communication, and um, for, for a variety of reasons. So uh, why don't you tell that story? So I have bipolar disorder, and I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder... Uh, I would say in about 2016 and I had just moved back to Tennessee from living in Colorado and when I was in Colorado I didn't have insurance so before that all I had been diagnosed with was depression and anxiety so I had stopped taking my medication because I didn't have insurance and that was okay I was okay I was with family I was working a, like a low-level stress job, and I was getting better because when I went to Colorado initially, I wasn't in a very good headspace, depression and anxiety-wise. Um, so when I moved back to Tennessee, um, working and stuff got me kind of back in that headspace where I was a little bit um, anxious and depressed, and um, they put me back on the medication that I was on before, and uh turns out that the medication they gave me for depression uh triggered um a suicidal episode that landed me in the hospital and um then they realized that i was bipolar so the type of medication that they had given me had taken away the inhibition that i had always had and um from the suicidal ideation mm -hmm. Um, because before I would have I would have suicidal ideation, but I would never have it in me to go through with it. Gotcha. But the medication took away the inhibition, so it, it was like okay, like I have nothing to keep me from doing this. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, we had had conversations prior to that because I got my license in two thousand twelve, mm -hmm. and I had suggested that potentially it was it was bipolar, but there wasn't a whole lot of. Uh, follow through just to like see what that was and, and I, I know the state of mental health 
care is uh, challenging to get the right diagnosis and to have somebody really pay attention to uh, the cycles of it. So having the diagnosis, did that change how you treated it? Yes, because then they were able to give me medications that were more focused on the suicidal ideation itself and a separate medication to treat the depression and a separate medication to treat the anxiety, which it took a while for me to like level out and find a, a right medication. But in all that, I was in therapy and stuff like that. But the boundary part was that I leaned heavily on you, on Stella. And I had to create a safety network for myself for when this, the suicidal ideation presented itself again. Um, so that I wouldn't be alone. And for a while, she was my safety net. And when I realized how heavy that was for her, I realized I needed to widen up that load and like reach out to other people and be like, hey, like this is, like you're my friend. Like this is what's going on in my life. This is my history. Um, I want you to know this about me so that you can help me if I need your help. I love that. Um, and that was really hard because at first I was, I was, I withdrew from Stella, which I think it was just my own way of processing it, the information that it was too heavy. Um, but it has progressed into a very respectable place where if I'm feeling some type of way, like I can reach out and ask if she has the space and absolutely. um i think that has made our relationship better absolutely and i think um part of my boundaries in terms of recognizing that i will always be your sister and we are definitely um like best friends we're a lot of things there's a lot of layers to our relationship um but as a therapist i cannot be your therapist and so for me to set those boundaries looked like Carmen, you need to reach out to your mental health professionals. You need to talk to your friends. You need to um, reach out. And I can imagine that felt very rejecting um, because I, I was not able to do that for you. And, and prior to your diagnosis, we had really struggled um, with those boundaries. And, and certainly prior to my being a, a licensed therapist, um, you know, there were a lot of things that, and I've talked about my struggles with codependency where you know, I would jump on a plane and be wherever you needed me to be. Um, I don't do that anymore. I mean, I, st I still would, right. but that would come with a lot of other conversations in terms of, you know, what resources are you using? How are you managing, uh, you know, your problem-solving skills? And, and you're definitely, like, much better at that. Um, you know, I've been your sister for your whole life. And so I've definitely been your protector and, and your advocate and your you know, a, a lot of things. Um, but when I set those boundaries, and certainly when you recognize the, the value in the boundaries, our relationship, like you said, has gotten tremendously better because we ask that question. Um, and I still struggle, and I've definitely talked about it on the podcast that I don't ask for my needs, so it's not a rejection of you. I just don't do it. Um, and I'm working on it every day. But you've talked a lot about how it's hard for you to... Um, lean on me and then I don't lean on you back. Um, but that's not a reflection of you, that's a reflection of me. 
Um, and we've talked about that for sure. Um, but I did want to, and also thank you for sharing this with us. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate that. I have no shame with it because I feel like we need to talk about it more. You know, like I talk to people at work about it a lot. And there's always that part of me that's like, is this going to be used against me later? And at the end of the day, it's like, we're all struggling with something. And if you feel like you can talk to somebody about it, then I want to be able for you to come to me if you need to. For you sure. Know? So. But I also think that like when you can own it and take away the stigma of it from yourself, then you can lean into coming at it from a place of wellness as opposed to coming at it from a place of illness and shame. Right? And, and bipolar is very simply a chemical disorder. Um, recently, I, I had an epiphany, just quickly, um, about how it works. I mean, I know a lot of the biological functions, mm -hmm. um, but certainly with uh, emotional dysregulation and a dysregulation in endorphins, um, what happens generally in a bipolar one situation. Mm -hmm. So there are two different kinds of bipolar, bipolar one and bipolar two. Bipolar one is uh, the classic um, highs and lows. And uh, what happens in a high is that you have a flooding of endorphins. So dopamine, serotonin, all of those kind of feel good hormones. They don't always make you feel good. What it can actually do is create anxiety. And so you talked about having had anxiety previously, the, the part that's, there's two parts that are messed up in a, in a bipolar one brain, um, is that one, you get this flooding of endorphins, and then two, the reuptake system that helps you process it is not effective when it is flooded. And that's true for most people. Mm -hmm. If they are regulated in their endorphins, the reuptake system works just fine, and it's able to process it, and you're able to use it. The other thing that happens is after a flooding, it reduces the amount that is released. So the reuptake system works, but it doesn't work as effectively, and then when you don't have the same amount being released, then you have a low, right? So you will classically have a depressive episode after a flooding right. or a high. Now, um, that's bipolar one. Bipolar two is you don't make enough, period, and your reuptake system is not working. Right. So... Um, one of the ways that they treat bipolar to have emotional regulation is to give you a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. What happens in the reuptake system is it blocks some of them so that the other reuptake systems can continue to use the amount that you are producing. Okay. Um, when we talk about mania, because it used to be called um, manic, depression. manic depression, so you would have a high and then a low. Um, the manias can look like a lot of things. Um, it can look like impulsive choices. It can look like having a lot of energy and not being able to sleep. It can look like anxiety. It can look like paranoia. It can look like um, someone who speaks really quickly and has a lot of energy and they're kind of all over. It's not, it's rarely euphoria. Right. But that's how it's been kind of in, in, popular culture, it's been displayed as someone who's like dreamy and excited and whatever. And, and it doesn't always look like that. Actually, more often than not, in my experience clinically, it looks like anxiety. It looks like way too much energy. I cannot sleep. I cannot get my thoughts organized. 
I had a client once describe it as it feels like she's coming out of her skin and she just wants to run away because it feels so overwhelming. And then once the, the um, endorphins level out, there's nothing else for your brain to do but to hit that depression. Everything feels hopeless and sad and terrible. It's like there's this cloud that covers everything. And the other thing is, you went from having all this energy, can't sleep, to all you want to do is sleep. To hypersomnia. You have no motivation. Everything feels like terrible. And, and the other thing is that when you are in a higher space, even if it's anxiety, you're going to have more energy, you're going to be more gregarious, you're going to be outgoing, you're going to want to engage because you have all this energy, and then you go to nothing. Like, I don't want to talk to anybody, I don't want to be around anyone, you isolate, all of those things are true. Whereas, just quickly with a bipolar 2 uh, presenting is they don't have the highs. They have, if, if average is like a 5 on most scales, they have a little bit above a five, and they're fine, and then just depression. Yeah. And those depression, yep, those depression um, levels are constant as well. Constant low. Yeah. Um, they have a little bit of like, they may have a few productive days, maybe a few productive weeks, and then a low again. So just so you guys know that's what that looks like. I do not want anybody to diagnose themselves. Please don't self-diagnose. Absolutely. That's not what our podcast is for. Stay off of women. Um, but definitely seek out um, a professional to, to be able to talk about those things. And there are lots of evaluative, um, evaluations and uh, self-reporting that you, know, you, can, you can deal with. Um, what you said is medication definitely helped. Um, and so, if you don't mind sharing, like, what are you on currently and how is it helping? So, I've taken a lot of different medications um, since I've been diagnosed. And I have found that I have adverse reactions to some medications. So, um, my most current medication regimen is Latuda for the depression. And it's also like a, it's a mood stabilizer, I believe, is what the classification is. Is it an SSRI? Do you know? I don't think so. Okay. It's a new, it's a new medication. Yeah. And I take lithium for the suicidal ideation, which has been great. Kind of life-changing. Yeah. I say it was a life-changer. Yeah, for sure. Like, it took my suicidal ideation that was at a 10 on a 0 to 10 scale it brought that down to like a two. Would you have the suicidal ideation only when you were depressed or was that kind of a constant? Constant. Okay. And there is a difference between a suicidal ideation and a passive way. And, and I talk to this, I talk about this with clients in like, a, if I got hit by a truck, like that would be fine, but I'm not going to step out in front of a truck. Right. And so there's a lot of people that kind of live in that space. Um, would you say that that was kind of your experience that you would kind of always live in that if I got hit by a truck? No, it was worse than that. Okay. It was plans and thoughts, intrusive thoughts, and okay. it wasn't just a passive state. Now, it's lower than a passive state. It Every once in a while it pops up, but it's not anywhere near where it was. Okay, and you feel like the lithium definitely helped reduce that significantly? Yes. Okay. Um, for... Anxiety, um, I've, they've had a hard time finding something that doesn't create um, 
adverse reactions such as severe weight gain and um, muscle twitching and stuff like that. But um, I've been, I recently in the last few months started having panic attacks that I never had before. So they put me on hydroxyzine um, as needed. Like PRN? Mm-hmm. Okay. And is hydroxyzine, is that a blood pressure medication with the side effect that brings down? Or? No, no, no. It's a, um, I want to say it's a, I can't remember what the class is. It's not, it's not a blood pressure medication. But it, it has been used for blood pressure because it's not the lisinopril, which is usually sometimes used for anxiety, but I, I don't know. I can't think about it. Mm, You're closer to a doctor than I am. <laughs> It's, I'm 99% certain that that's not used for, um, are you looking it up? Yeah. Cat? Okay. But you feel like that's definitely helped with the panic attacks? Yes, thankfully, because those were awful. Like, I never used to get them before, but these panic attacks were waking me out of a dead sleep, and I would feel like I was suffocating. Okay. And then I couldn't go back to sleep because I Once just... Once you're activated. Yeah, and it would just, it, it literally would feel like... I would I would do anything to stop feeling like this. Okay. So, um, is it? No, it's an anti. It's a histamine blocker. Oh, okay. So it brings everything down. That's why I was like, isn't that a blood pressure medication? But no, that it is. It's a yeah, histamine. Yeah. Yeah. To slow and bring everything down. That's awesome. But you said that it helps, and you can go back to sleep. You're not staying mm-hmm. at that elevated, ten place where your chest is tight and all the things. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, do you feel like this particular regimen is working? The Latuda is giving me a leg twitch, okay. um, and it's an uncontrollable leg twitch on my right leg, and like it creates my foot to move. And um, since it is helping my depression, it really is. Um, the doctor decided to try something to treat the twitching versus take me off the Latuda, um, and. I'm not sure how well it's working for being honest. Okay. Um, I might need to increase the dose of, of the twitching medication. Do you find that the twitching is um, more of a hassle than the Latuda is worth? Because that, that is a challenge that people have to no. balance out. No. It's, uh, it's really annoying, um, but... Like, when I was feeling depressed, it was really hard to get out of bed um, for anything, Mm -hmm. um, for work, for anything. And I don't want to feel that way. That's fair. So um, this twitching, if we can get it under control with some, which sounds obnoxious, um, medication to treat the side effects of the medication. But... um, I just want to know what it feels like to not feel like fucking shit all the time. That's fair. So. And you definitely did say that, like, obviously being around family and the stuff that we've had, activities and all this stuff, you've done great. Like, you haven't had, um, you know, sometimes, and I can imagine part of it is your job, Mm-hmm. Um, haven't had the, the need to just sleep to, to recharge or whatever. You've actually been engaged and doing stuff and... Um, what I heard you say this weekend is you've definitely had more days where things felt good than any other kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. 
Um, and then having a support system out in Tennessee of people that you can talk to and engage with definitely makes a difference. Um, but it sounds like, and certainly since, you know, I know your life day to day usually, um, you are engaged more in it than, you know, having those big crushes. Mm -hmm. I love that. And how did you build your support system? Was it just through friends or did you go to group or did you go to meetings or how did you reach out and build a community of support around you? I just reached out to the, my most trusted friends. Nice. Um, in 2018, I had another uh, episode where I got really suicidal and I was enrolled in a outpatient program. Um, it was called a partial program where you go in and you you do group and you um, you get tools to um, deal with your situation. And um, that was like a two week um, a two week program. But it was outpatient, so you didn't stay in, in a hospital or whatever. Right, but I found that those relationships don't materialize into anything more than just a passing. Like these are your group people. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Yeah, so the ones that really have helped the most have been the ones that I've confided in, and um, they, I know that they would come if I needed them to come, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It does, yeah. But since 2018, you haven't been in that crisis place? No. Okay. And your family, I mean, our, our family, is pretty aware of like your situation and what's going on. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then obviously because there's so many of us, uh, <laughs> we stay in touch through a, a group feed with the family. And so we are talking daily. Mm -hmm. um, and if somebody isn't responding or engaged, we definitely reach out and kind of one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And just like me, you have your own individual relationship with, with each of us, mm -hmm. which do you feel like that helps or sometimes makes things harder? It helps 100%. Like, um, with the whole panic attack, my introduction to panic attacks this past few months, um, you guys have definitely been there for me, and that's been helpful. Nice. Okay. So. Um, we have just about 10 more minutes. Uh, Kat, do you have any questions? Do you, is there anything that no. would be helpful? I'm just learning. Yeah. <laughs> I get all quiet when we have guests because I'm just like, tell me. <laughs> Hi, human being. You're my favorite thing in the world. Tell me all about you. <laughs> but you're also really good at like observing and, and really kind of getting in there. Um, any other fun stuff that we should know? What what Zoe Pickles helps? Oh my god, I have a dog named Zoe Pickles. <laughs> She's like my favorite thing on the planet. She um she was adopted from a humane society um, while I was still married after a really horrible time in my life. And um, she has been there for me, um, my little ride or die, just like waiting on, waiting at the window for when mama comes <coughs> home. And um, being over here and visiting, I've really missed my dog. I can imagine, <laughs> for sure. Um, Have you considered getting her, uh, sorry, I'm choking on air. Um, registered as an emotional support animal? She doesn't like other people. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like she, she she doesn't like crowds, I I should say. Mm -hmm. it, she gets really anxious. Um okay. and 
I don't think she would do well. Um, like, she doesn't like when people touch her. Like, I guess you're not supposed to touch a support animal anyways. But um, I don't think she would do well just because she's not good in outside situations. So maybe her anxiety would drive your anxiety and that would just not be the situation. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, don't touch my dog. <laughs> Get away from her. She, <laughs> she definitely qualifies just in terms of being able to help you yes. to manage and cope consistently. Mm-hmm. Okay. What else do you enjoy doing or what has been helpful for you to find meaning and fulfillment in your life? I love karaoke. Okay. <laughs> She's also very good at singing. <laughs> when we were at dinner one of the nights my whole family was together, my mom was like, I think Carmen should sing for us. And I'm like, nobody needs that. Like, I'm not, I'm okay. I, I sound good sometimes. I sound like shit sometimes. But so during the pandemic, we couldn't go sing karaoke. So I started making these karaoke videos for yeah. um, Facebook. No. I so just record myself singing. And um, I thought of a couple more while we were here. Yeah. So I'm going to go home and make some more. Well, I think the other thing too is, so uh, one of the goals of this trip um, was to help go through a bunch of uh, photographs photographs from like our childhood and different things um and it was really kind of cool we were sitting in in my daughter's garage um going through these photos and so she brought up a lot of music from kind of our childhood and we all just started singing and that was one thing that we all grew up doing was kind of you know these karaoke opportunities in a car or in the living room or whatever and it was really kind of fun because we all um have our favorite songs and and certainly songs that remind us of our history and our childhood and so um it was really cool because at one point one of our sisters uh maria decided to uh, pull up her favorite song and so we all just kind of belted it out it was really fucking cool like (laughs) it's one of the things that has definitely brought us together as family um and i've talked about the fact that like i do well and i know that's your experience too but there's only three of us so three siblings, one ourselves, and then two others. We do really well that way. But when there's an extra human or, like, mom is there or, you know, Luna, like, it just throws the dynamic off. But we did really good this trip. We did so good. I had I had some anxiety about what was going to happen because we just were so strong-headed and sensitive in some ways and like stubborn and I think that's the same thing as strong-headed and um (laughs) but I think we're also very opinionated and outspoken and yeah yeah so like when we all get together we have really big big energy and it doesn't always flow the same way but we actually did really freaking good I think so too and I think part of that was having like separate activities um we had uh our nieces and our nephew Uh, And so that adds another dynamic. Um, And we're all, we all have different parenting styles. And um, so, yeah, there was a lot that was going on, but we did manage it very well. And I think part of that is our boundaries and communication. Um, My daughter and I have really good boundaries and communication. We can ask for our needs in terms of like, I need to take a break. At one point we had gotten up super early to go see the balloons and I just dipped out and took a nap after. Mm -hmm. Um, And that definitely helped me. And so... I think you and I do a good job of of kind of saying what we need and we can spend a lot of time together where we're actually fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But part of that has come with our communication skills and being able to like check in and what do you need and 
you know, I, I can say to you, hey, I'm feeling really anxious and I just need some space and, and you take it. Um, and, and same for you, like, you know, I'm just feeling tired or I want to spend some time by myself. And, and I think that definitely helped our family dynamic. Um, I have the same kind of dynamic with our, our other sister who lives in Nebraska. Um, and our sister in California is doing, like, she's doing her work. So we have that. Um, and then we also have opportunities to kind of digest and, and process um, and talk about what went well and what we could work on moving forward. Um, but I think that the, the group feed where we all communicate, because we do, we communicate daily about our workouts, about our food, about what's going on in our lives. If we need a little extra support, um, all of that goes on the group feed. And I think that helps with our communication dynamic for sure. So what was, I mean, you and I talked about it last night, but what was your favorite part? So <laughs> my favorite part, okay, so I love food. Fair. And, um, yeah. And I, they don't have the kind of new Mexican food in Tennessee that they do here. And um, so there was this place called Little Anitas that we went to for breakfast. And that was one of my favorite moments because everybody was... Everybody was there, everybody was happy, everybody was enjoying the food, and it was just like we got to enjoy this this thing that just brought us together. For sure. And it was just like everybody was cool. Like there was nobody fighting, like nobody felt angry or upset. It was just pure like chill and happy. It was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing is like food is love for us. Mm -hmm. um, and I did not want to have to host breakfast. In the past, I've done that, and it's just a lot more stress and work for me. Yeah. So I was like, let's go out. Like, you know, we can all fucking splurge and, and have food out. Um, and I think that was awesome. Uh, what would you say is the most stressful or challenging? <laughs> we talked about this earlier. Like, I... We all have... Uh, frustration we can get frustrated and we can like um get mean sometimes for sure um but when we came home on one of the nights i accidentally <laughs> broke something in the garage and like you got really upset and i'm really fucking sensitive for like sure. really sensitive and i was just like oh my god i'm so sorry blah blah and like you're like just get away from it just go inside and so i was like okay but that was definitely like my worst moment because I don't like feeling like I'm imposing on anybody, but like we exude an energy sure. and I can feel that. And that definitely didn't feel good, but thankfully that didn't last very long. Well, and I think I've definitely worked on myself cause I, my anxiety will go up and I'll get upset, but then I'll bring it down and manage it myself, which is why I encourage people to get the fuck away from me mm -hmm. because I know that I can be very much a, a projector in that way. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of like an amplifier. And so, and I am an empath. So mm -hmm. um, just like I can feel other people's energy and emotion, I definitely project that. And so it's better to get away from the blast radius. I will take care of myself, but I did come in and I was much better. Um, just like after that whole thing in the morning on, on the day of the balloon fiesta ascension, I was exhausted. I was tapped out. Like it was just better for me to go and be by myself. And I came back up and I was better. And you definitely commented on like my energy shifted and it was better after I took a nap. For sure. So, 
um, really just kind of recognizing what you need and, and then safely being able to say that to your people and just to be like, I need some space. Communicate, communicate what your needs are, communicate what your boundaries are, communicate what your feelings are, be able to exit those from your body instead of holding them in and creating a safe space and a safe network to be able to do that is For so sure. important. And you and I talk about that a lot. Like when we go camping, we have our own dynamic, but we definitely feel safe enough to be able to say, you know, I'm just going to take a nap or I need some space right. or I need to process. Um, I think that's one of the things that has definitely um, helped our friendship mm -hmm. is that we can take that space and be able to say those things to each other. Right. Um, and then we get our needs met. It's both our trips. You take your notion. <laughs> Burn a fire for you. Absolutely. I love that. Um, well, that's our time. Cool. Thank so. you so much for sharing your story and coming on our podcast and being so open. Word. Thanks for having me. appreciate that. I Thanks think it's definitely me. helpful to get, and this is why we like to have guests, is yep. to get stories from... Um, honest, genuine, cool people, not just because she's my sister, but because she's fucking dope. Um, <laughs> but to be able to talk to or speak to those things for our listeners who are maybe struggling or don't necessarily know how to seek out resources or even what that journey looks like, right? Mm -hmm. To be able to talk to someone um, because you are incredibly successful, you are incredibly brilliant. Um, again, not just because you're my sister, but because I really truly feel that way about you. And, and you have struggles, right? So it's not but, it's and you have these challenges that you have been able to overcome and work through and that you're still working through and it doesn't define you and it doesn't limit you in any way. Um, and, and to be fair, like bipolar can be very limiting um, and it can be very much a stigma. Uh, but what I heard you say is like you being able to like own it and take the shame away and talk about it has definitely helped you to seek resources and to do the things that you need to do so that you can continue being successful. Yep. Wicked. Uh, we are X to the Zenial, the letter X and number two, T-H-E-X-E-N-N-I-A-L. You can find us at X to the Zenial at gmail.com. You can find us at X to the Zenial underscore podcast on Instagram. Uh, Luna dash X to dash LLC on Facebook. If you guys have any questions, if you want to come on the podcast, definitely reach out. Um, anything else, Kat? No, we're good. All right. We will talk to you soon.